on a total ban against mainland poultry. That ends this news from RTHK. drug driving is now in effect. Police may require drivers to undergo preliminary drug tests and provide blood and urine specimens. Driving after taking heroin, ketamine, methamphetamine, cannabis, cocaine or MDMA is an offense, even if the driver does not show any signs of being under the influence of these illicit drugs. The driver is liable to imprisonment for up to three years, a fine of $25,000 and disqualification from driving for life. Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. With money from the Lord Wilson Heritage Trust, conservator Paul Harrison and a bunch of volunteers have restored 18 gravestones of the Russian and Armenian communities in Happy Valley Cemetery. This week we continue our walk around the cemetery as he tells me about the tragic history of the Armenians and also a prominent businessman who came to Hong Kong. A number of the graves are falling into disrepair and the broken stones are simply removed. Paul is concerned about the amount of history that is being lost at the cemetery. And we have an Armenian grave in front of us. We can't really tell that she's Armenian. Um, most of what I learnt was... Um, the Armenians like to put angels on their graves and this one doesn't have an angel and it doesn't have Armenian writing so we've lost the first two clues this is the, but she, this is the grave of Riposema this is another infant um, burial this is Riposema Jordan who only lived and died in the year 1895 she's interesting though because her uncle was Chaita this is Chater of Chater Road, Chater Garden, Chater Building, Katchik Street, because his full name was Sir Paul Katchik Chater. And he's appeared on many programs because he's one of the key people in Hong Kong's history. Um, he's involved in many of the big industries of Hong Kong. And also, uh, yes, and also the, the early development of, of Kowloon mm. amongst other areas. Mm. Um, he donated the land for the church uh, that's now the AMO office on Nathan Road. He um, set up Hong Kong Electric Dairy Farm, was involved in the trams. Hong Kong Land. And Hong Kong Land. He did most of the reclamation of for Central. And so this baby girl, born on the 14th of August, 1895, tragically died on the 10th of October, 1895, and this would have been all too common in mm. that era that, that uh, I'm sure if we looked at more graves here, there, there's many children mm. uh, who just, it was uh, uh, very common that children under five died in that era. But um, he, she, she was uh, what relative to support? Yeah, she was his niece. All that she has left is two iron posts um, and the cross. Um, there used to be six iron posts, but we can see how the iron is split and the stone is broken. So I was worried that the, the remaining two iron posts were split and then these posts would be lost. So I painted these two iron posts with a special paint that's used, uh, the same paint that's used on tank, uh, on boats and oil rigs. So it's designed to withstand 
very bad weather and as such they will rust a lot more slowly and there is quite fancy ironwork um, on it we have um, column bases and twist in the ironwork and a nodule at the top it used to have a fence going round of, of loops chains but that's been lost so you're saying at the top there would have been an angel and Armenian writing oh no, no um I don't think it had that. I think the stonework we have is how it was. This is unusual amongst the Armenian graves that there isn't an angel. There's an, another Armenian grave over there uh, pointing um, to a grave about six along that does have an angel. We mended that one too, so maybe we should move over to this one. Sure, let's go and have a look. Now, I learnt recently that the Armenian community here has opened up their own centre, so it's certainly a, a story that I'll be returning to on the programme. But, uh, Paul, in, in the same way that you described how the white Russians came here, can you tell me about uh, the, the source of the Armenian community coming to Hong Kong? You said about Sir Paul Kachikcheta coming to Hong Kong now. I remember he, he actually came from Calcutta. The Armenians is quite a tragic story in that the Turkish massacred, well it's a very tragic story, that the Turkish massacred that many of them um, at, uh, at the same time at the, around the World War One. The Armenia is um, a small country that used to be one of the Russian Soviets, um, but there have been Armenians, the Armenians are very good businessmen. Armenia is one of uh, was the first Christian country. Um, the borders of Armenia have uh, changed over history. Um, it's near Turkey and Iran and Russia. Um, it used to be one of the Soviet socialist republics. It's now got its freedom and they're a self-governing country. Um, the, the Armenians are very good businessmen. So many of them migrated to Hong Kong as a small trickle over history. So some of the earliest graves here are of Armenians who came from um, Armenian businessmen coming from an opportunity here when Hong Kong first opened. Uh, so they didn't come in a big wave like the Russians did. It was just enterprising individuals who came on their own throughout history. In front of us we've got a, a horizontal grave as such, or a horizontal gravestone, and uh, it's, it's quite ornate. Yes, um, this is, as I was saying, this is uh, an Armenian grave with an angel on a cross, on a scroll, on a wreath. Again, it's uh, um, a child's burial, and I just noticed that the child has the same birthday as me. Um, and this was in a bad condition. It was really filthy. Uh, it was so... because we're below some trees, so the trees were dropping their leaves on it, and the ornateness meant that the, um, the stuff was captured by the ornateness, mm. and it didn't have the rain falling on it to wash it to the same extent as if it was completely exposed. And the stones had broken in one, two three different places and once the stone is broken it means that seeds from the trees above may be able to get into the into the breaks and then start growing and if once you get the tree in there pushing the stones apart it would really smash the gravestone up 
So we, uh, we cleaned it, and it was so filthy that in front of us there's a reef. We didn't know that it was metal. Um, but by cleaning it, we found out that the reef was metal, probably zinc. And we mended um, three cracks in the stone, two in the main um, plinth holding the main horizontal plinth and one broken on the scroll pointing which is no good on radio to the <laughs> end of the scroll which had broken yes you can see where the, the crack has been fixed now interestingly on the script here again in english um but you've got um you know the beloved son born in calcutta of uh, mr and mrs mv uh, abgar or abkar and uh, died 27th of May 1903, and he was only born on the 12th of March 1891. Aged 12 years, 2 months and 15 days. Gosh, how, how tragic for the parents. So that, that might have been something like malaria, perhaps? We don't know. There's so many childhood diseases that can take you off in the early 20th century. What's interesting, then, is the script carries on, but it's just all that we can see is dots on the stone. So what would have been there originally? It, there would have been tiny letter, lead letters, um, but being so tiny, they've just uh, fallen off uh, and been lost. If we came around here with a metal detector, like I did with the Jewish cemetery, we may be able to find some of the oh, tiny yeah. letters that have just washed off and been um, are in the soil. I mean, your work as a conservator, I mean, you were tasked by your choice with the, with the Armenians and the Russian graves. But, I mean, as you walk throughout Hong Kong Cemetery, there are a number of esteemed people here who are buried here from Hong Kong's history, and their graves are also falling apart. Yes. In front of us we have Sir Kai Ho, who was a friend of Sun Yat-sen. He was the first, one of the first Chinese people on Lejko, and his grave is not only dirty, but cracked, and two of the stones um, in my time at the cemetery have come uh, off. I stuck one of the stones back very naughtily. Uh, I didn't have permission, but I just thought it needs to be stuck back. And I've just noticed that another stone has come off and will need reattaching because it's quite an ornate stone, um, a, 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 quite an ornate grave. And I see someone's left some flowers by it, so it should be looked after. Yeah, an important man in Hong Kong's history, as you say. So, I mean, the fact that the food and hygiene department, it, the, the place gets cleaned, the food and hygiene department run Hong Kong Cemetery, but do you think generally, following on from your work that you've just done, um, that more needs to be done for other graves within Hong Kong Cemetery? Certainly. Um, I, I'm worried by graveyards losing stones. Um, I think that's the most tragic thing that can happen because it's an erosion of the story. Um, ideally, I would like to come through and just mend everything that needs it to put every stone back together. For some of them, it would be a big engineering task because we're talking about big stones that have fallen down. Um, and then... Well, so you'd need a crane up here? Yes. Uh, it's interesting to think how it would have been constructed. Like if we turn around, we can see a big grave to Henry Smith, who worked for Hong Kong Bank, and that is a very heavy stone on top. Um, we mended one st stone, it was just a tiny cross that we stuck back, similar to the Repin grave, um, and that needed four of us to lift carefully in position, and that was by hand. 
This is a hundred times heavier, so that must have used machinery. So doing this you get to realise the engineering aspects of the graveyard too. Now it's interesting to see your life as a conservator because you're involved in the graves, uh, so that's stonework you've, and, and metal, you've been involved in preserving cannons uh, among others, you've got green paint on your hands from, uh, was that, preserving ship engines currently? Yes. I've been a conservator for 34 years or so, um, I studied it at university, very unusual degree to have, uh, conserving things for museums. Um, I've worked for most many of the museums in Hong Kong. Uh, first, I came here originally to work for the government museums, and I, I left them as the head of metalwork conservation. So some people are sometimes surprised who've known me a long time to work on. They see me work on non-metal things, but with my studies, we, we're taught to conserve many materials. It makes the job very interesting, because one day I can be binding a book, and the next day I can be mending a gravestone, or, or painting an engine for the Maritime Museum. Um, the, hence the green paint on my fingers. The wife says, can't you just wash it off? And I say, no, the whole point of this green paint, it, it, it is a rough, tough paint that's designed to go on a sh a ships and so it doesn't wash off um, <laughs> you have to wear it off after many years so sometimes on the bus I sit there just picking the paint off I describe it as getting paid to do my hobby um, I don't have the Monday morning feeling because I'm always excited by the new projects I've got it's always new objects new, um, new problems which makes for a very interesting job my thanks to conservator Paul Harrison of Phoenix Conservation. Gravestones are a bit of a tricky issue in Hong Kong with the dense population and a lack of space. But I do agree with Paul that those that are already in Hong Kong Cemetery and help tell the story of Hong Kong should be preserved properly. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. You've been listening, of course, to Hong Kong Heritage, uh, produced and presented by Anna-Marie Evans. On your station, RTHK Radio 3. for more reflections from Asia with Harvey Stockwin. It's only rarely that any part of the United Nations calls a spade a bloody shovel, and it's even rarer for a UN body to detail the atrocious totalitarian habits of some of its members. You can say that the UN majority of authoritarian governments, plus the even fewer democracies, are like people in glass houses who never throw stones. They seldom do. But at last Monday, February the 17th, was very different. A commission of the United Nations really laid it on the line regarding North Korea. 
It's not something I normally do, but on this occasion I can do no better than to quote the press release from the United Nations itself. Quote, Geneva, February the 17th, 2014. A wide array of crimes against humanity arising from policies established at the highest level of state have been committed and continue to take place in the Democratic People's Republic of Korea according to a United Nations report released Monday which also calls for urgent action by the international community to address the human rights situation in the country including referral to the International Criminal Court. In a 400-page set of linked reports and supporting documents based on first-hand testimony from victims and witnesses, the United Nations Commission of Inquiry on Human Rights in the DPRK has documented in great detail the unspeakable atrocities committed in that country. The gravity.